Well, good evening, everybody. I want to extend a very warm welcome to everybody this evening as we join in to worship God. And we pray that we will hear God's word and that it will be blessed to our souls. We're going to begin with a short reading. This is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 13. And as he came, that's Jesus, came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teacher, uh, look what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left there one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard. Amen. May God bless to us this reading of his word. Uh, let us engage in prayer. Lord our God, we pray to bless us and we give thanks as we come this evening to your word that your word will be a source of, of blessing to our souls. We need you and we need your word and we cannot separate you from the word because uh, this is the way that you have revealed yourself to us. And it is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy you. Help us, Lord, to realise that it is in the Word that we come to know you. Although your creation in itself reveals to us your eternity and your power, your Godhead, yet uh, the Word is your special revelation to us, where you have made known to us so much about who you are, about the glory and the wonder, and how awesome you are in person and uh, we marvel so often as we come to your word and we one of the many, many things we cannot get over is someone who is so great and mighty and powerful uh, and glorious in his being, yet has an interest in us individually, personally, intimately. And we give thanks, O Lord, for that. And we pray, Lord, that you will bless us then as we wait upon you and help us, Lord, to have that spirit of waiting uh, we live at a time when waiting is not something that we, we like to do, but waiting is an essential part uh, of a Christian life. It is not waiting idly, it is not waiting just carelessly, but it is waiting attentively and waiting to hear. We're ready to listen, ready to hear what God the Lord will speak to us. We ask, Lord, that you will bless each and every one of us, bless every home and every family, we commit everyone into your care and keeping. Pray for those, Lord, who are struggling in life with all the different issues uh, that they face. And these are, again, sometimes so personal and private. Uh, they are so individual. And yet, Lord, you know, and they know. And sometimes they don't even know just how much uh, the, the depth of the issues that they face. Because sometimes what we can see on the surface is but a reflection of something that is far deeper. Lord, we come before you confessing our sin and we recognise that we are uh, sinners through and through. 
Your word tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We certainly don't. And uh, we do not know the, the other deception uh, that takes place within our own heart. But we give thanks, Lord, that you know us and that the provision that you have made in Jesus Christ deals with that deception and deals with the fruit of that deception which is seen in our sin. And so we confess our sins before you again today, uh, individually and collectively. Lord, bless us as a congregation here. and We give thanks, Lord, for uh, your goodness and mercy towards us in these days. And we pray that you will <clears throat> continue to watch over us and keep us and protect us and be a shield around us, and that we might know your grace, your mercy and your peace. Pray, Lord, for those who are ill, those who are going through difficult times, who are battling ill health, whether, they, whether they, they, they are receiving treatment or not receiving treatment or uh, undergoing surgery or whatever. We ask, O oh Lord, that your healing, gracious hand will be upon them. We pray for our nation and ask, Lord, that you will bless us. Uh, we seem to have moved so far away from you. We are all guilty. Help, Lord, us as a church uh, not to have a them and us attitude with regard to our uh, communities and with regard to our nation, but that we will see that we are, every single one of us, is responsible before you. And like Daniel uh, in Babylon, as he prayed, and uh, prayed uh, for himself personally and for his people, he asked, Lord, that, that you would forgive our sins. And that's what we pray, all our sins. We, we come before you and pray that you will have mercy upon us nationally. Grant wisdom to our leaders, to those in authority. And we pray, Lord, that you will raise up uh, your people in places of prominence, places uh, uh, in advisory ca uh, uh, capacities where they will bring the influence for good uh, to bear upon our legislations and upon the laws of our land. And we pray, Lord, that you will uh, protect your people and raise them up. And uh, even in a difficult day, a day where we're being suffocated more and more, the Christian faith is being suffocated. But we ask, Lord, that you will protect your gospel, your word of truth. Watch over us nationally, then we pray. And we ask, Lord, that a, a vaccine will soon be found uh, to prevent uh, this uh, coronavirus, that the worst of it will be will be eradicated. And uh, Lord, we pray that we will soon be able to get back together again in church to worship you in the way that we love doing. And so we pray for your people throughout the land and indeed throughout all the nations of this world. We pray for the persecuted church and ask, Lord, that you would bless them. Bless our young people as they're now on holiday. Uh, we give thanks for them. We give thanks, Lord, for the Sunday school uh, that they had the virtual Sunday school and we give thanks for our teachers and all who made provision who did so much uh, over these uh, these weeks and months. We give thanks Lord for their dedication and love and pray that you'll watch over them and so bless all the children and all the family all the families. Pray Lord for those who, whose jobs are threatened and those Lord who may already have lost work and uh, we realise we live in a very uncertain fragile world. We pray that uh, provision will be made, that work will, will will be found and that you will guide us and guard us and keep us. So as we come to your word in a minute or two, again we pray that you bless it and uh, cleanse us, we pray, from our every sin. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. <clears throat> and just a wee word to the, to the young folk. 
I read once of a minister, a preacher, uh, his name was Mr. Gibson, and he did a lot of uh, preaching away. He travelled, in fact, he travelled all over the world. And he had uh, himself and Mrs. Gibson, they had one little girl. She was very young, young little girl, and she was a real daddy's girl. And she was longing terribly uh, for her daddy to come home because he was away in a preaching trip. In fact, he had been away down in Africa. And anyway, the day was coming when he was due to come home. And so her mum got her dressed and her, uh, there was a really good uh, dress that she had for very special occasions. Like you, you, We talk about a Sunday best. Well, she had the best. This was her, the very, she only got on special occasion put out this dress. So she put it on and they were just going to go off uh, to the airport to meet uh, Dad, Mr. Gibson, coming back when they got word that uh, he wasn't able to come that day. She, obviously, both Mrs. Gibson and the girl were very disappointed. But then the next day, again, she got ready in the morning, put on the new, the lovely dress, and uh, they, were, they headed off to the airport, only to be told that there was a terrible fog uh, in the airport that Mr. Gibson was flying from, and that the plane would not likely come that day, though they weren't too sure that plane didn't come that day. So then on the third day, she got up, put on her lovely dress again, and went with her mum to the airport. And this time, Mr Gibson did come back. He arrived. They were all so happy, big hugs, so pleased to see one another again. And uh, uh, Mr Gibson was saying to his daughter, oh, it's lovely to see you again, and you look so beautiful in that a lovely clean dress, it's so beautiful. And Mrs. Gibson said, It really is quite amazing because you know our daughter that she's always running around, always falling, always getting things dirty. But she has managed to keep this dress clean, like it just came out of the wardrobe of a hanger, just it's sparkling for three days because she has had this dress on the three days waiting for you to come. And you know, that's lovely to hear because she so loved her daddy and she so wanted to look her best when dad came home. And that's a wonderful picture to us of how we should be as we wait for Jesus to return. Because Jesus is coming back again and he wants us to be like that. He doesn't want us to be careless and dirty and doing all the wrong things. He wants us every day to be, as it were, with our best on, to be clean and to be watching and to be waiting and doing just what he would want us to be doing when he returns. That's who Jesus wants us to be, to be prepared and ready and doing our best for him, loving him, and with clean hearts. And you ask that the Lord would help you. And I must ask too, because sometimes it's very difficult. And uh, sometimes we're ashamed of what we say and what we do and what we think. And we say, well, I'm glad Jesus didn't come back when I was doing this or when I was thinking that or when I was saying this or whatever. But Jesus says, I'm going to come back very suddenly. That's what we're going to look at uh, today in the sermon. So let that little girl, the way that she waited, 
with her lovely clean dress and she was so careful every day so that she would be spotlessly clean when dad came back and she was and that's how Jesus is wanting us to be waiting watching ready when he returns I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. <clears throat> and we pick up our reading in Mark chapter 13 and at verse 24. Mark chapter 13 and reading from verse 24. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the cock crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Amen. And may God bless to us uh, this reading of his own holy word. Right, <clears throat> we're going to look at Mark chapter 13, and it's the last verse. Oh, it's verse 37. Jesus' words, and what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Stay awake. Now, at the beginning of the chapter, we find Jesus and the disciples coming out of the temple. And as we know, the temple was an absolutely magnificent structure. And the disciples draw Jesus' attention to the, to the stones and to the magnificence of the temple. Uh, I'm not big on architecture, but I must say that I, I do enjoy looking at some of the amazing buildings, the old buildings in the cities, whether you're in Glasgow or in Edinburgh or even down in London are going into some of the great cathedrals. Uh, you go in and you just kind of stand in awe and you think, wow, the minds that planned it and the, the brilliance of the, the putting together, the work that went into it, and some of it's so intricate and amazing. Well, that's how it was. The disciples were highlighting and pointing this out to Jesus. But Jesus tells them that however magnificent the temple is going to be, and he says to them, I'm going to tell you something, there'll soon not be one stone left upon another. Of course, that kind of took their breath away. 
underway. And Jesus says that he is really showing to us just how unpredictable and how changeable the world is. Things just happen in a moment. The world that we know can change so quickly. We've, we've come across that ourselves with regard to this virus. It, the world that we were used to, the world, the world that was always changing, the changes in this world that have taken place even the last number of years have been almost breathtaking. But our world radically changed with uh, this virus breaking out. And it shows us that life is, though we often think it isn't, it is incredibly unpredictable. Things happen very quickly. And that's one of the things that Jesus is talking about. And when the disciples were alone with Jesus, they they began to question them about this the destruction of the temple. And so Jesus told them that uh, there were certain things going to happen before his return. Now, when Jesus talks about the return, this might have, must have confused them a bit because he hadn't gone away. And they at that point hadn't understood it, that he was going away. So when he talks about his coming, uh, his coming back or his return to the disciples, sometimes they were a bit uh, confused or nonplussed about it all because at this point Jesus hadn't died and been resurrected or ascended uh, to heaven or been in the intercession all that he was still here on earth with them but Jesus says that tells them very simply and he repeatedly that he is going to return again now when Jesus talks about uh, the return he tells us over and over again that it's going to be quite an awesome spectacle. That it's going to be very different to when he came into this world the first time. It's not going to be as if he were Bethlehem he returns. It'll be very different. Because he's going to come in all his awesome glory. And it's going to be in the most amazing spectacle for those who are alive when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Now one of the things that Jesus in the Gospels uh, likens his return to is like the lightning. Now uh, we we had a, one of the worst thunderstorms uh, that we've known for a long, long time. Just the, the 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 previous week there, and Jesus tells us in Matthew, and he says, "For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man." So he likens it to lightning, and. There's two things about lightning. First of all is its suddenness. You and I cannot predict when the next flash is going to be. Cannot predict it. Even when the thunderstorm is there, we can't say it'll be, it's going to come now. It just, it just happens. And the second thing is the power of that flash is so great that everybody will see it. Uh, when, if, there's, if the lightning is kind of overhead, the brilliance of that flash is so powerful that it's not just at night that you can see it, but you'll see it during the day. And you don't have to be just outside, you can see it inside the house. And in fact, even if your eyes are closed, when lightning is just above, you, it, it's still even registered, registers with you. So this is what Jesus is saying is, is when he describes his return like lightning, it's going to be so sudden, nobody can predict when. And it's also going to be a coming that everybody is going to see. The Bible tells us that over and over again. 
But the coming of Jesus isn't going to be something that's localised in one place. It's going to be a spectacular coming. And I cannot understand everything that will happen, but we believe that the, the very... The, the whole world will reverberate that there will be a great noise and great glory. That's going to be the most amazing spectacle. But he's going to come and there's going to be a different reaction from his people and from his enemies. Those who love Jesus at the return will find that this is the answer to the prayer and revelation. Even so come Lord Jesus. The enemies of Christ, for them, this is going to be the worst day ever. And that's why it tells us that they would rather that the rocks and the hills fell on them to cover them from the wrath of the Lamb. Because there will not be one atheist or one agnostic or one doubter on that day. Because all eyes will behold him and see him. And it will be, as we say, an extraordinary event. But it's the suddenness of his appearing that Jesus is continually driving before them. And he tells them, in verse 35, you do not know when the time will come. And elsewhere he says, in such an hour as you don't think the Son of Man comes. It's the very time that you don't think he's going to come, that's when he's going to come. So Jesus is telling us that we, we ought to be watching and waiting for his return. We find that the early church, right at the very beginning, they were living uh, in expectation. You find that, for instance, when Paul writes to the church and Thessalonica, that, uh, that some of them had actually stopped working and that every day they were waiting for the return of Jesus. And, and Paul tells them, no, get back to work. Uh, you, it's not a good witness to be idling away there, even although you, you are waiting the return of Jesus. That we've got to be about our normal duty and business, but spiritually, still spiritually alive and alert. And down throughout the, the centuries and the history of the church, there have been periods when the church has been living in the light of the Lord's return. You find that very much in the days of McChain and Boner. They were people who were looking for and waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus. I don't know if we today are living with that expectation. Living, thinking, it could be today. Do we get up every day thinking? It could be today that Jesus returns. I'm going to be watching and waiting. I'm going to live in the right way because Jesus is coming back. Do we live like that? Or are we living slumbering and sleeping and kind of forgetting that he's returning? Well, I feel, well, that's not I feel, that's not I feel, but going from what the scripture would indicate, it would almost appear that when Jesus does return, that the church is slumbering and sleeping. Jesus, just for one instance of that is, and I know it's a parable, but Jesus gives the parable of the, the ten, the five wise, five foolish virgins, the bridesmaids. And they all slumbered and slept. And then the bridegroom came, so that they were sleeping. And Jesus, at various points, talks about uh, just that possibility of the church slumbering and sleeping at his return. And he keeps saying to us, I want you to be awake. I want you to be watching. I want you to be to be vigilant. So we're told that we must be uh, on guard. And uh, that's why Jesus tells us in verse 35, stay awake. Because you don't know when the master of the house will come. Whether evening, midnight, 
when the rooster crows of the morning. Jesus is going by the four watches of the night that the, that the Romans had. There was a, from 6 to 9, 9 to 12, 12 to 3, and 3 to 6 in these four watches. So that's, Jesus is saying it could be at any time. You, you and I don't know uh, when he is going to come back. So Jesus is saying, don't let me find you asleep. That is spiritually negligent. And so Jesus then says, what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Now this word watch can mean sleepless. It comes from two words, to chase and sleep. So in other words, it's to chase sleep away. So that's what Jesus is saying. And he's talking here spiritually. It's not that we aren't out of sleep. But he's saying, I want you to be spiritually alive and active. And so he tells us to watch. This is what he keeps saying, uh, watch. So what are we going to watch? Well, if we could speak to believers here, what are we to watch? Well, first and foremost, we begin with ourselves. Watch yourselves. That's very important. If you begin watching others, you will become very ju judgmental and censorious, and you will be finding, you'll be very critical, and you will be seeing people's faults and failings and all these things. And watching others is not what Jesus tells us to do. We're told quite often, take heed to yourself. You watch yourself. I must watch myself. And I think we can say that those who are constantly passing judgment on others, those who are watching others critically all the time, I would almost guarantee are not watching themselves at the same time. Because if you're really watching yourself and you're watching into your own heart and you're seeing who you are, the last thing you do is become critical of others because you know there's nobody that you're more critical of than yourself. It's an amazing leveler. When you begin to discover what you are, that'll soon stop you pointing the finger at somebody else. Because the seed of every sin is here within our own hearts. And that's one of the most painful discoveries. And it's something that stops us pointing the fingers at others. So watch yourself. That's where, where we begin with. Watch, watch yourself. And uh, we need to watch again uh, what we do. Because... Uh, we live, if we're Christians, then we obviously have to have to live in keeping with the profession that we make. Uh, because our lives are really, Jesus tells us, are open books that are, are open letters read by all people. And uh, Jesus wants us to live out our life with him displayed. That's what Jesus is wanting, that, we're, that our Christian life will impact Society will impact other people for good. Because remember, Jesus impacted this world for the greatest good. And he wants his people similarly. If Christ is in you, then you should be impacting, you should be acting like salt and like, like light in this world. And if we're living like that, then we won't, we won't be judgmental of other people. We won't be critical of other people. <laughs> remember, Jesus, in, in exaggerated language, he likened that to <clears throat> where people are critical. You have this person coming up and he says, Bob, hey, hey, you have a wee speck in your eye. Do you know that? you got a speck in your eye. 
but they don't realize they've got a plank, <clears throat> a plank in their own eyes. Now, obviously, it's exaggerated language, but Jesus is just showing how, how ridiculous it sometimes is, how people who are so judgmental and critical, they're worse themselves. But as we seek to live out our, our Christian life, let us seek to, to live it so that we are engaged in the right things when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. That we are saying to ourselves, because I'm sure as we look back over our lives, there are many times when we said, I am so thankful the Lord didn't return then. So that we're living in such a way that when the Lord returns, that we're able to say, I'm so pleased to see you, Lord. But not only are we to watch what we do, we are also to watch our tongue, watch what we say. Because the Lord tells us that we will be judged by our words. And that's, that's very solemn. When you think of all the wasted words and judgmental words and critical words and gossiping words, when we think of all these things, we're to be judged by our words. And that's why the psalmist said, I will take heed to my ways that I do not sin with my tongue. It's amazing if you go through the Bible, you will find how much a reference there is to the sin of the tongue. The tongue causes so much havoc and so much pain, so much sorrow, so much damage in this world. And that's why we must take heed to our tongue, that I do not sin with my tongue. Watch your heart. This is, this is somewhere, an area we really have to watch because there is so much twistedness and deceit within our heart. It, in fact, we're told in the, in, the, in the Bible that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That, that, that really is a stopper. When you think of all the deceit and all the twistedness that's in this world, and you see many things out there, and you look over the history of life and all the things that were done, and scheming, twisted, conniving ways, and then to realize that your heart, my heart, is that fountain of cesspool, I should say, of utter deceit. And there are times we get a little glimpse into who we are, and it's frightening. And that's why, like sad David, after his great sin, he realized that his sin was, an, it was a, a result of the twistedness of his heart. And that's why he prays, create a clean heart within me, Lord. Renew a right spirit within me. And we need to pray that as well. So watch your heart, because it's forever. See, the great problem is we, by nature, already side with sin. We have sympathy to sin. We, we love sin. And it is only through uh, the, the ministry of God's Spirit that we're able to fight against. Sometimes we don't fight sufficiently. Sometimes we lose out. Watch. Watch your development and growth. As Christians, we ought to be growing. That's what the Bible tells us, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes people say, are you growing? Are you growing? And you say, yes, a Christian. And you say, yes, I don't think so. And you mean that with all sincerity. And you know the reason is this, is that our growth is very often it's down. And the more we grow, the more light we have, the more knowledge we have. And it's great when we have more light and knowledge of God, because that's where our main growth ought to be. 
But in keeping with the light and the knowledge that the growing light and knowledge we have of God is also a greater knowledge and light of who we are ourselves. And the more we see of ourselves, it's, we say, you know, I'm, I'm getting worse. But that, that is an evidence of, of actually the, the, the light and the growth that's taking place in your heart. Watch temptation. And ask for grace when temptation comes. Because, you know, the most dangerous time is when you are being tempted and you find yourself being drawn into the temptation and the alarm bells go, go off and you know that you ought to pray and say, Lord, deliver me here, but you don't. You don't because you're, you're already siding with the temptation and that is, that is, that is a dangerous time. So we need, we need to be watching in, in, all these, in, in all these areas. So how do we watch? Well, we have to watch in prayer. Be much in prayer. Prayer and watching go together. You will find so often Jesus say, saying that, uh, watch and pray. The two, the two, you can't really separate them. And remember what we said, chase sleep, chasing sleep. And you and I know how often uh, when we begin to pray that we get drowsy, we feel tired. It's, it's, it's a, often an unnatural tiredness because beforehand you were fine. And you could read a paper or you could read a magazine or look at this, look at that, and you're all right till you begin to pray. And then this tiredness comes over. But we've got to remember this is part of the enemy of our soul. It doesn't want us to pray. So we, we, it's, it's vital that we're watching. So that's we're recognizing. Jesus said when he found the disciples, he told them to watch and pray. They were slumbering and sleeping when he came back. And that's why he says, uh, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's, that's how so often we find ourselves. But we need also to be watching with God's word. Because the word is key to our discovery of how things are. And if we are living our lives watching and praying and watching and in the word, we will find that there will be a freshness to our lives that there would be this sense of being alert, that we would be keeping keeping up with the Lord, as it were, as we go along. It's key to, to our, our, our Christian growth and development. And we need to be watching that the world doesn't suffocate us. We're living in very difficult times, and the, 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 the world has been, it seems to be suffocating the church more and more and more. We find that that we're being stifled and strangled, and there's a, there's just a, there's often a, a heavy spirit upon us today, and it can be very difficult, it can be hard going at these times, and so we have to guard that we don't allow the world to come in and to take over. Because remember, in the parable of the sower, that it was the the world, the, the, these were the sort of the weeds that began to to strangle the good seed so you make sure uh, that the world uh, isn't taking taking over in your life and again we need to watch because as we're saying all along the Lord is coming it's coming soon and you know one of the things Jesus reminds us again elsewhere that when he returns it's going to be at a time just of normality and he likened it to the days of Noah when the flood came. And he said in that day and on at that time, 
they were marrying and giving in marriage. They were doing all, they were working, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage. In other words, he was talking about the ordinary run of life. Everything was as nobody got up in the morning and said, wow, the day of the flood. You know something? There's going to be a real flood today because it just seemed a normal day. Noah had told them, Noah had preached, Noah was in the ark. If they had eyes to see and ears to hear, they would have understood. But they didn't. They laughed. They mocked. Where is the promise of this flood? Same as people are saying today. Where is the promise of his coming? One day he's going to come. And so Jesus is saying, watch. Be ready. So that when I come, you're not going to be ashamed. That you're going to be about the master's business. It's so important. And if you don't know Jesus today, then I would urge you that you come to know him. Because it makes life, life meaningful and it makes your future meaningful. And you, you will live your life with hope in your heart. You know, it's the most wonderful thing to have hope. Because we're told in scripture that without, if we're without God, we're without hope in this world. And that's not a good situation to be in. So you ask the Lord Jesus to come into your life and to bring his light and his hope and his love and to grant you the strength of, and the grace every day to be working for him and living your life in the light of his return. We're going to conclude singing in Psalm 130 and this is from the Scottish Psalter. Psalm 130 from the Scottish Psalter. Lord, from the depths to thee I cried, my voice, Lord, do thou hear? Unto my supplication's voice give an attentive ear. Lord, who shall stand if thou, O Lord, shouldst mark iniquity? But yet with thee forgiveness is that feared thou mayest be. I wait for God, my soul doth wait, my hope is in his word. More than they that for morning watch, my soul waits for the Lord. I say more than they that do watch, the morning light to see, that Israel hope in the Lord, for with them mercies be. And so on the whole Psalm 130, Lord from the depths to thee I cried. Lord from the depths to
Now may the grace, mercy and peace of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen.